0: Allow me a moment to just say thank you to Dr. Jim Lowe, uh, Dr. David Wright, lovely Miss Helen, the wonderful faculty, staff and students of Indiana Wesleyan University. It is an honor and a privilege to be here with you this morning and I believe that there is a word from the Lord, amen? I'm trusting and believing though that if there's a praying congregation that the Lord will preach through me no matter what I do or don't do, amen? And so I invite you to pray with me. i read through the text because I understand our, our student worker had a little extended vacation, so we may not have the scripture there. Is that true? Just nod at me, amen. And so allow me to read the text and then we'll pray together and then we'll see what where there is. And Lord, hopefully you brought your Bible with you today. And if you did, I invite you to turn with me to the gospel according to John. And we'll meet together there in the fourth chapter of the Gospel According to John. And I'll be reading with us this morning uh, through the New Revised Standard Version of the Gospel According to John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 26. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself but his disciples who baptized He left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food and the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would certainly have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father seeks such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship the Lord must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ when he comes. He will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Let us pray. God, who spoke in times past, speak now. Be present in this, your vessel, that the people may receive that which you have prepared before the foundation of time. And together we may run from this place, revived, refreshed, and anew. It's to you, God, whom Jesus called Father, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in that matchless name of Jesus, the living Christ, that all who believe and agree together say, amen. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came, sometimes but sometimes you want to steal away, uh, steal away to where no one knows your name, to where no one is familiar with the stories of what you have been, the places you have gone and what they think you've done or even what you've actually done. To where news reports of Malaysian and Asian air flights disappearances, Mike Brown and Eric Garner, Charlie Hebdo, 2,000 dead Nigerians, and almost 300 known kidnapped girls don't exist. But sometimes, like Lenny Kravitz puts it, you just want to get away. Anybody want to fly away to that place where we cannot just go, but grow and find a source of power that makes this living, this life easier? A place where we can all get well. Get away from the stares and the glares of the saints. A place from the questions and the prodding and the needs and the complaints. The pastor, can you? Mommy, daddy, will you? Professor, should I? Roomie, lover, friend, my godson, daughter, sister, won't you of the crowd? We seek a place where we can get away and lay down the blessed burdens of this ministry, away from the books, away from the research and the writing, away from the parents and their questions of have you, will you, when will you, away from the TV sets and the news reports, away. Get away from the drama of life and maybe just read your Bible. Get away to the place where joy abounds, to get away and find a place where you can get well, whatever The answers that you have to these questions, wherever you find yourself at the end of the list of questioning and pondering, I invite you to journey with me this morning and together we might see that the world needs fewer of us choosing to flee. The world needs us to be present, to cause atmospheric shifts of wailing women at the wall, of men unashamed to bear all. Of mind, body, and spirit in authentic worship with fervent prayer, meeting head on evil as a demon slayer from those who demons must run. That we see this thing we're doing called faithful living is transformed by giving it some attention to become the place where we can find our earthly home, the place where Jesus is, where he stands welcoming each of us to that place that King and others call the beloved community. Uh, my brothers and my sisters, the Bible says that at the point where we encounter Jesus, uh, according to John's rendering of this story, we find him weary on his trek. He wants to get away from the Pharisees. He wants to spend some time away from the church folks. And if I had time here this morning, I'd walk us through the very complex nature of this Johannine community. And if I had the time this morning, I'd walk us through the differences between the Christological understanding of, of Jesus in this fourth gospel, as opposed to the three synoptic gospels. If I really had time, and I thought you were perhaps interested, I might really spend time contemplating the reality of Jesus as both human and divine that we find in the symbolism of this text. But time being as it is, because you have to get back to class and work, let's walk through just for a moment the sermonic subject of well-wisdom. A pathway into beloved community. Tell somebody, well, 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 I promise I won't ask you to do that too many times. Well, 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 in the English language, at least in that iteration of English that's become popular in the United States. uh, Well, well, well is a colloquialism. It's an idiom, an expression of surprise concerning what follows thereafter. It it is something that's usually utilized between good friends or close acquaintances. It suggests that we are surprised by what follows with a, hmm, what have we here? Or it suggests, would you look at that? Or is that so? It is precisely this well, well, well that I was struck with as I tried to leave the Idle Wild skating rink on yesterday when I was bombarded, accosted perhaps, no, confronted with this rambunctious group of students from a place called Indiana Wesleyan University. My daughter and I holler, if you hear me, you were there. Uh, We were wrapping up the elementary school time that seemed so quiet and so calm. They were just rolling around, having a good time and falling when all of a sudden, here come these girls with markers under their eyes. And I heard someone say, it's like a roller and sock hop. Whoa, we gotta get out of here, Zuri. I don't know what they're getting ready to do. Well, 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 something like that struck me though, as I read through the text. It wasn't the same kind of experience. But as I went through the text, I was struck by a couple of unconventional kind of conversational twist and backwards and forwards. But cause we know this story well, right? Uh, Jesus went to a well, not just any well, but the well that is reported to be Jacob's well. And there Jesus is said to have encountered a woman whose life is seems pretty scandalous outside the church norm. This nameless woman from outside the faith but whose community is still part of the book of faith, she gets slipped into the canon and has a one-on-one encounter with Jesus. And we've typically heard the text preached just like that. But this time around, I read the text and a couple of things made me say, what have we here? What we have here, the Spirit says, is a thirsty woman. We peer into the pericope in a precarious place in which Jews have, uh, Jesus has chosen a route that is unpopular for Jews, literally through the hood. Uh, Instead of going the way traditionally traveled, he and his disciples have gone this way through Samaria. And at this point at the text, though, Jesus is alone at a well. Jacob's well, the text suggests he's alone because he sent his boys out to get some food to just get away. And here he encounters a thirsty woman. And you may be saying, well, preacher, why are you calling her a thirsty woman? And the brothers on the front row said, saying, did she say she's a thirsty chick? I did, but just walk along with me just for a minute. I wanna just talk to the young folks cause you see thirsty chicks, thirsty women always think somebody is trying to spit game. Even in the presence of the incarnate one, this Samaritan woman's expectation of Jesus is the same. Shorty shows up on the scene trying to avoid the time when all the women will surely be found. Uh, You know, to her surprise though, this dude clearly not from around these parts, comes up with a swaggered out lean talking about give me a drink and come on over here. She cues Beyonce drunk in love, surfboard all up in her ears, game thinking it recognizes game, turns to one up him. what you doing around these parts? Don't you know we don't get down with each other like that? Jews and Samaritans up on this here mountain but Jesus' reply, no matter his intention, to this thirsty woman, it just sounds like he's just really trying to convince her. Darling, if you knew the gift of God who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked, and he would have given you living water. What you think? She is Selena Gomez. Nah, 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 nah. Nah, 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 Thirsty chick, though, kind of feeling him, because something's different about this dude. She thinks she peeps his game. honey. You don't have a thing to draw out water with. Stop playing. She tries to cut him down to size, letting him know our father, Jacob, who gave us this well, his sons and his livestock, they all drank from this well. And they all needed something to get the water out of this well. What, you think you better than them? Jesus still seems to be giving her rehearsed lines. Sisters, you know those conquest lines that conquistador dudes try to spit, the ones they practice, they pull out when they just really try. Oh, I'm in a Christian church institution. Whoever drinks of this water (laughs) will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water I will give will never thirst The water that I will give will become a fountain of living water, springing up into everlasting life. Thirsty chick is, and she's ready to give this dude a wife. But Shorty gets caught off guard. Quickly found out that Jesus was different. When he starts talking to her about her various friends with benefits, a husband, Um, no, I'm good. I'm just out here trying to get some water. Jesus replies, oh, really? Because a minute ago you were entertaining me, ready for me to put in an order. But you've rightly said that you have no husband, for you have had five. And the one you're kicking it with, for him, honey, you're just a chick on the side. Hold up. What are you, some kind of prophet? I'm all that and then some. I'm all that you need. But first, we need you to alter your perspective On what you think you see for your thirst is refreshing and you've got what it takes to bring men and women unto me. But first I need you to do some soul work so you don't get caught up so easily. So you don't get caught up wetting their appetite for your body. We need to do the work so you can lead others to come straight to me. My brothers and my sisters, the first bit of well wisdom this morning comes when we recognize that there's a right and a wrong way to be thirsty. Thirsty people always often get a bad rep because like Jesus was offered on Calvary's cross, the world and sometimes even the church has offered the thirsty its sour wine as the fulfillment of the thirst. The sour wine of denoting diminished dignity for those who are comfortable enough in their sexuality to break free from the traditions and barriers in Jesus' name. The sour wine of patriarchal shaming, labeling, and whoring, Jezebeling women and girls into closed in walls of low self-esteem and lead them to the ends of rainbows where suicide seems like all that's enough for their thirst. Sour wine, come fill it up in a pretty bottle and mass market it as church liquor. And the masses get to popping bottles, drinking it up. But sour wine doesn't sit well on the stomach. Can't you see the church sipping sour wine until they spew the bitterness out as closed doors, closed pews, sour wine, the sour wine of perpetual hue and hubris defined inequities that floods legislated disenfranchisement into our neighborhoods, spilling out through high crime, irrigating rivers of cradle to prison pipelines, and community wells of wisdom, courage, and strength have no more water. And now we must ask where have all the thirsty people gone? Where have all the thirsty believers gone? And how can we make our way back to the well where the living water abounds? And so John's gospel offers us this testimony of a thirsty chick. Oh no, excuse me. The Samaritan woman who gets to be alone with Jesus as a means to revive the thirst because the thirst is necessary. The church needs thirsty people. Thirsty people like this thirsty woman in particular because thirsty folks don't give up easily, that they refuse to be pigeonholed and cookie cutter type of people. Uh, There are the people who will fight and fight until they get what they want. And so Jesus comes to nurture the thirst because it is necessary, because it is necessary for our healing. Jesus comes to nurture this thirst and well, well, well. As an individual who's had the distinct pleasure of finding acceptance within many different communities in the world around me, both inside and outside the church, I find it interesting to read this John text because we see at play some group dynamics that I've encountered throughout my journeys Most scholars agree that this fourth gospel presents a Jesus that's not like the Jesus of the synoptic gospels. They argue that Jesus' miracle working accounts are minimal or all be uh, together absent in John's account that Jesus' discourse is less of parables and more of symbolically straightforward faith-seeking understanding in the midst of many other beliefs. Uh, even in reading through this text, the unique not unique to John's gospel, we can see that Jesus and John is someone who is quite different than Jesus of, say, Mark and Matthew and Luke. But this does not cause me to say, well, well, well. For you see, if I could use my sanctified, or as Walter Brueggemann calls it, my prophetic imagination, I'd imagine that the stark differences in this Johannine account are not out of the ordinary or even awkward. Uh, I'd imagine that like you and me, Jesus had a number of different relationships uh, with different people along the journey. If the author and the narrator of this text is really an eyewitness to Jesus's ministry, the one whom he loved, as the text would also suggest, this disciple, that this particular John would be privy to the Jesus that's different, not the Jesus the dean of the chapel would know, But the homeboy or the homegirl, John or Johnette, this is the Jesus who we see in the text. And he and John would have had a type of relationship that would help him to see the insight that springs up in the text. For what we see uh, here in the text this morning, right around verse number 22, is what really strikes me as something rather interesting. Won't you meet me there? It says, you Samaritans, chapter four, verse 22, know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. What I find interesting is that Jesus didn't suggest to this woman that the object of her worship was a foreign God. Uh, Jesus didn't suggest to this woman that she had to do anything different to be in a position in which her worship would be found to be acceptable in the sight of God. No, on the contrary, what Jesus has reported in this text as saying suggests that the God of the Samaritans and the God of the Jews are one in the same. However, Jesus suggests the Samaritan issue is not in the object of their worship, but rather in their orientation towards the same God. Believers, I believe that we would do well to hear what Jesus says at this well. You see, so many times we get caught up in the way our tradition teaches the text. And we get stuck when we encounter someone or something that doesn't sit well with our standard. But what if we model the standard of Jesus at the well? The Bible says that many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus and became connected to the faith because the encounter of one-on-one with this woman and Jesus at the well. But how many times do we have opportunities for encounters with Jesus that we, for the sake of our tradition, for the sake of our own personally constructed ontologies, for the sake of being able to say we have cornered the proverbial market on what is right. How many times have we missed Jesus or even worse blocked someone from getting to Jesus because they're not living the way our folks say they ought to. Jesus hung around with the folks that our folks would say, don't go to school and get to know them. But your light is so bright. You know the things of the faith. You know the promises of God, which are yes and amen. So no matter the darkest corner where you can find yourself, if you truly walk in the light, if you truly shine, do drops of mercy shine bright, go into the world and touch the world like Jesus spent time touching this woman at the well and I'm almost through. Wells are remarkable sites within communities. Uh, growing up in front of my grandmother's country home, just south of Washington, D.C., we had a well. Anybody ever had a well in front of your Amen. I see a few. Thank you. So, I'm not speaking to an audience uh, that's unfamiliar with this concept. This well uh, that was in front of my grandmother's home, it was generally open all throughout my very young childhood. It was a, a, a big, deep hole that was uncovered. It, it was a functional well where the family would make use of the water for cooking and cleaning and bathing and the like. But once the city began running uh, water lines to the four houses on my family's street and our long country road, the well no longer served its purpose. The deep wide hole that once served as a useful source of water now presented a danger to those uninitiated to its presence. The children were warned, don't go playing around that well, stay away from the edge of that well. One day I, I visited grandma and I noticed that something was different about the well. There was a cement cover over the well to keep folks from the potential danger of falling into the well. Well, what, what's your point preacher? I'm so glad you asked lights. My point is that as long as the well is utilized in the community as the source of water that is helpful, healthy and living, it's a good well. But when that well begins to be a big gaping hole that others unfamiliar or uninitiated with the presence of this well could fall in and harm themselves, we may need to cover it up. I'm just gonna give you three short acronyms and then I'm gonna let you go on back to class. If the well is going to function, the well must be well, well, well. Well, what kind of well is this? Well, one, it must be a well where every life lives where every life lives the well will enable lasting liberation and the well where we embrace light and love when the well is a place where every life lives we don't get hung up on black lives matters all lives matter we allow the well to be well and good. When the well is one where we embrace light and love, we don't get hung up on he said, she said, but we allow the well to be a springing forth of living positive energy. And when the well is one which will enable lasting liberation we are able to understand and know that like Dr. King and Bayard Rustin and all of his crew, Ralph Abernathy, Diane Nash and others, we will come to find that there's something about the all-consuming power of life and love, that in the darkest rooms, the smallest speck of light can be seen, that when we find we are able to embrace this light and love, we encounter not only Jesus, but we encounter one another And as the Torah suggests, we become able to not only love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and our body, but we become able to love our neighbors as ourselves. And then and only then do we begin to forge a pathway into the beloved community where we can all sing, I need you, you need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Won't you stand? Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It is God's will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. Well, 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 my friends, my time is up. God bless you and God keep you. Thank you.